Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy day before Thanksgiving. The Gospel of Ham is back for another episode. Uh, I am Matt Minnick, as always, joined by Michael Rogner, and we have quite a lot to talk about today. We're gonna we're gonna cover three different basketball games that were played in the last five days. We are gonna do some special segments, a little buy and sell, a little uh Thanksgiving gifts we're gonna give out to folks, and of course, we'll um we'll preview the Georgia game that is next week as well uh michael how are how are you doing i'm doing great happy to be here it's uh it's feast week so there's always some great basketball games going i think as we're recording this listeners we are i think we got tennessee kansas is that the game that's being played right now yeah so yeah yeah lots of lots of good hoops and, and I'm keeping an eye on uh, it has nothing to do with the ACC or anything like that, but I'm keeping an eye on Villanova, Texas Tech. I think that is going on as well. And I, you know, at some point, Coach Hamilton is going to step away from Florida State. Uh, and, and who knows? Maybe it seems like with the first five games of this year, maybe that decision will be more left up to him than perhaps it looked like uh, last year. But I, you know. I'm always curious to see how programs adjust after such a like their their coach has left, you know, the the, the program defining coach. And so seeing Villanova um, without Jay Wright, the last, you know, last year, this year has been uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing that. But uh, yeah, so feast week and we've got a lot of feasting to do. What uh, in terms of the real feasting that you're hopefully going to be able to do some of tomorrow? What uh, what are you a turkey ham or other guy, Michael? I'm another guy. We, uh, my family's in Florida, you know, I'm in California and I do not, I don't travel during the holidays. So I spend time here with my wife and, and, and her family. And I think I made lobster rolls maybe last year. I'm not, I'm just not, not a traditional Thanksgiving guy. My, my, uh, my stepmother, God, her mother-in-law, God bless you, Gretchen. She's, she's got some mouth problems. So I got to make, you know, food that's, softer nice and soft so i'm gonna make a big old beef stew you know let it cook all day it's it'll be it'll be delicious i could go with uh i, I kind of like a beef stew idea you know a lot of folks i 
the other oftentimes down down here in in North Florida or, or lower Alabama, sometimes it feels like we are, uh, you know, can be turducken or mm-hmm. just other forms of fried stuff. But uh, I think I'm a classic ham guy. I, I think I and, and I say that because we don't do ham for Christmas. We kind of have a tradition of doing um a a prime a standing rib roast for mm-hmm. christmas so i think i'm a classic ham guy particularly if you throw in um some green bean casserole nice. um so so i'm th- you don't travel then where does thanksgiving rate on your on your holidays meh i'm i'm I, i'm happy to have four days four day weekend that's mm-hmm. always fun i would love to get together with my family but that that takes place other times of, of the years. So it's it's a nice restful time for my wife and I to, you know, get some get some stuff done around the yard and and hang out together. And and uh, so I'll, I'll put it in the middle of my it's it's above President's Day. It's, it's above but, President's yeah. Day. It's above Halloween for me. Yeah. I this is the time of year when when Tallahassee really starts to feel nice and mm-hmm. I think I've been biased by the amount of football growing up here. You know, there happens to be a big game that's played that's played the Saturday after um, Thanksgiving or last year, Friday. So um, I, I it's not number one for me, but I think it's top three. Uh, you know, Festivus has to be up there. Uh, <laughs> but OK, uh, well, anyways, um, so speaking of. Again, this the it was you got. I have a five day weekend. I took today off, uh, four day weekends. But Florida State kind of got their um, their feast week started a little bit early. A lot of the games that Florida the tournament that Florida State played in started earlier than most of the others, and they actually played uh, the school down in Hogtown uh, last Friday. Um, we said before this stretch of games that if they went two and one we would reevaluate the ceiling for the year. I, I was pretty skeptical when the two and one began with being down like 30 to five or 36 Mm -hmm. to five or something like that. I don't think at that moment, two and one fell on the table. And yet here we are at two and one holistically speaking. um, We just played three games in five days. How are you feeling about like the overall trajectory? We've played two and a half good games in a row. The Florida game, you know, it 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 got so out of hand early that it was maybe overlooked a little bit that the team actually did some really good things in the second half. We outscored them, I think, by maybe nine in the second half. And it looked like a Florida State game should look. It was chaotic. It was hectic. It was a little bit ugly. And, and we came out ahead. Go down to Daytona Beach and took care of business against a UNLV team that a middle tier ACC team should be able to beat. And then we took on a Colorado team, which I think a lot of FSU fans after that game are like, ah, Colorado stinks. I mean, well, I don't think they actually do. I think they are a good team. They've got, you know, Tristan Da Silva, who's legitimately, you can pencil him in right now for all pack 12. I mean, he's, he's a good player. And then they've got a, the five-star freshman who's the number four recruit in the nation. And, and, you know, they were running all their offense through him. So I, I think they're going to be a good team. I'm super impressed with that win. So kudos to the dudes for for getting it done. And if people out there are complaining about 
the style or whatever else you're sending me on Twitter. It's like, just relax, man. It's this, this is the way that our wins are going to look. They're going to be ugly. And it's, it's, you just got to embrace it. Yeah. I mean, four and one's a lot better than I think we started. Oh, and four last year. Oh uh, yeah. One and four. If you count whatever the next one was. Yeah. We, so we, we won the fifth game. Uh, and, and that was against, I, it doesn't matter. It was not against a, a good team. Um, I I think that the 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 best thing I saw this the last five days was that they picked themselves off the mat, right? Like I don't know that last year's team comes out and and is able to play UNLV in I mean we we actually saw what happened with last year's team. They 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 lost to UF. They had a really big lead against UF in the in the first half. They gave it all away in the first like five minutes of the game. I'm talking about last year, not this year. Mm-hmm. We, ne- we never had a chance of leading the game against UF this year. Um, they gave it all away in the first five minutes of the game. And what they do, they went down to a tournament, a holiday tournament in Orlando, and they got just dominated by, I want to say, Siena, like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And, and then that compounded into a loss against a bad Stanford team and then a bad Nebraska team. And that team last year, the the softness mentally, the, the unwillingness to to do plays that are winning basketball plays, um, I think would have they played UF, they got dominated. Although the second half, you know, you could have said like, well, I don't know, maybe the second half was just Florida not trying. They picked themselves off the mat, and immediately against UNLV, you could tell that they were ready to play basketball. They were ready to play basketball. So I don't know. I think that's the best thing I saw. Yeah. Last year, the marquee win out of conference win last year was Mercer. They went six and 12 in their conference. And that was our best win. We've, we've already got three wins that are better than that, you know, and we're five games into the season. So this is, it's refreshing. It's I'm happy to see it. I, I still don't think it's tournament team. I would love to eat crow at the end of the year more than anybody, but, but I am super excited to like sit down and watch the Georgia game that's coming up and, and last year, five games into the season, I was not—I was no longer excited to watch anything. Yeah, no, that—that's a great, a great summation. I, I agree with you that the Colorado win is a really nice win, and you know, it's—it's it's a game they didn't. Florida State was not leading at halftime, and uh, we—we've seen last year, even even when we started to play a little bit better in the ACC, somehow that you know clusterfuck of a team still managed to get uh, what eight, seven or eight ACC wins. Um, they only won games in which, with the exception of that weird Miami game where Miami totally forgot that they had to play a second half and Matthew Cleveland hit a hit a buzzer beater. They really only won games where they started off well. Here's a game where we were, we were down at halftime and came out and immediately uh, took control of the basketball game. I know there was a little bit of, you know, at the end, Colorado was able to kind of make a little bit of a run at the end of the regulation and uh, and they tie it up. And what does Florida do? Florida State do? We we come out and score the first nine points of overtime and immediately reassert control. Now, I, I will say this. I've never seen a in all the years I've watched basketball. I've never seen a tournament that had the champion league bracket be at 4 p.m like they made colorado play a game that ended at 10 15 eastern p.m and turn around and play a full court defense of florida state 
uh, at 4 p.m. the next day. I I have to imagine that some tired legs factored into that for De Silva and for KJ Simpson, who both shot woefully. And, and so, you know, but you know what? Both teams were playing on short rest. Both teams had to deal with that kind of quick turnaround. And um, and yeah, I I just I was very impressed with with FSU's perseverance. And and they really did a lot of things well. They 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 attacked the basket. They were getting out. They were getting steals. This team's going to have to get steals and get in transition. And uh, they made enough free throws in overtime to seal the deal. Yeah, that was the second most steals ever under Hamilton. That we had seventeen. There was a game years ago where we had twenty against, I think, UNC Greensboro. But that was when that was the Chris Singleton triple double, right? Oh yeah, Chris yeah, yeah, Singleton right. had like 10. almost yeah. quadruple double. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. So then we had seventeen yesterday, which is second most ever, and and that is, uh. You know, it didn't turn into as many points as maybe we hoped those 17 steals would turn into. But if you're if you're an opponent and you continually see the other team just taking the ball away from you, it wears on you mentally, especially when you're already kind of worn out from playing two games in two days. It's like it's a mental challenge that Colorado was not able to to overcome. And so it wasn't necessarily the points that were so valuable out of getting those steals. It was just Colorado was rattled. You know, they went the final, I think three minutes of the game without scoring and like the first three or four minutes overtime without scoring, you know, so we just, we put a run on them at the right time, um, you know, and, and it was due to our ability to just sort of just, you know, turn that game into a mental, you know, a really bad, uh, experience for Colorado on their trip home. I'm sure none of them were happy about having played Florida state. Yeah. And, and Tad Boyle, their head coach alluded to that. They, I mean, he, he put it point blank in the, in the press conference that, you know, he said, you cannot simulate their length and their ability to disrupt what you're trying to do on the perimeter. You just can't, you can't simulate that. You know, funny. He said, we can, we can, we practiced against a switching defense. We can replicate uh, a team that wants to switch one through five. Like that's fine. You cannot simulate their length and activity. Um, and, and he then followed up by saying, we, we pissed away a good opportunity. I mean, this is his words. We pissed away a, a, a magnificent opportunity. So I, I think there was a lot of frustration on the, on the Colorado side for sure. And just the frustration of having to go against that, that disruptive defense. Um what what did you take away from like if we could so it seems like okay what we did well was just create havoc and that is how we're gonna win we're gonna create havoc and we're gonna overwhelm some teams with just being all over the place um so why did uf get up by like 30 in 10 minutes i mean what what were we not doing against you is that just a, a matter of we got punched in the mouth by an older better team on their home court it it is. I mean, we did. It's you know some fluky stuff happened to get them that lead. They were making contested shots. They were doing all that. But there is a valuable lesson there, and in, in that, if we are not disrupting the offense, if we're allowing them to get into their half court sets with like twenty two seconds on the clock, they're they're going to pick us apart. Like any good team in America is going to pick us apart, and so it it has to look like the Colorado game for us to be successful. And, you know, so when we're taking on North Carolina and Duke and, you know, some of the higher end ACC teams, like keep that in mind. Like if, if, if the other team looks comfortable, there's a loss coming, you know, and, and Florida just looked way too comfortable. 
Yeah. And and that is the great equal that is the biggest, I shouldn't say the biggest, uh three-point line being so far spread out is a difference maker too. But one of the largest differences between the NBA and college basketball is that the NBA is only a 24 second shot clock. And so you do see more teams in the NBA who will go through stretches, not the entire season, but stretches of switching one through five. You see a lot with Golden State when they're playing Draymond, the, the like death lineup with Draymond Green. You see a lot with uh, Toronto when they've had um, some of their different lineups there. And and um, that is a different, to your point, by the time the NBA team gets across the half court into their set, and there's 14, 15 mm-hmm. seconds left on the shot clock. You you have the ability to make one or two read screens and and that's it. You're under 10. That is not the case uh, in college. And yeah, if you allow a team to just comfortably bring up, get, bring their big up, switch on, you know, get the switch they want, like there we go. It's, it's just, it's game over. Yeah. Um, so I, I watched the Marquette Kansas game last night, Marquette, they're both top five teams, Marquette upset Kansas. They were, uh, I think four and a half point dogs and they actually won by a pretty healthy margin. And they did exactly what Florida State needs to do all game long. I mean, they there was never a moment where Kansas even looked like they had an opportunity to just breathe on offense. Every single second, there was someone pressuring them, pressuring the ball, make forcing them to move, forcing them to cut, forcing them to do something that was not allowing. And, and you know, that's Shocker Smart's defense i don't know what happened when shaka was at texas but he's apparently back to it now and they ran that to perfection and upset the number one team in the mm-hmm. country yeah and ham doesn't really talk about that enough he you know when he's talking about the team he's always talking about a winning spirit and a and you know and a you know whatever his all his terms are i wish we should be able to rattle off our tongues on the gospel of ham the gospel but, of ham yeah, yeah but you know you you know how he talks he did but in you know, f- from talking to ex players in team meetings and in the sidelines, like he is wanting to step on their fucking throat. You know, he's wanting to make life miserable for any team that we play. And last year and even the year before is like everybody was totally comfortable playing Florida State. And and so if I'm if I'm happy to see anything come out of this, you know, two and one run that we're on the, the winning, you know, winning the Sunshine Slam is that those teams were unhappy. And I'm and that makes me happy. Yeah, that's 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 probably the best the best place to uh, to end it. Um, let's so we're going to I do want to talk about we have a week off. And I think that's nice after playing uh, three games in five days. Um, so we'll get to Georgia in a second, but let's do a little, uh, let's, let's bust out a segment for the first time this year. We've done it in the past, of course, but let's do a little buy and sell. And I am going to, we're, we'll have five statements here that I'm going to read and you give me um, your buy it if you feel like that is a true statement or something that we're going to exceed or something like that and sell it if if you think that you know hey th- it could either be that you think this is just early season fool's gold or there's some things that are still concerning there for you but um you got the you got the gist of the game I think so this is this is the game where I win cash is that accurate uh yeah uh, there's gift cards or something <laughs> okay, like great. that yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out there. How about a free subscription to Tomahawk Nation? Hey. Uh, so, first question here. 
FSU is four and one, and we have six out of conference games left. None of those six are currently ranked above 85th in Ken Palm. It's side there that Ken Palm still has some early season data to wash out, but none of them are currently ranked above 85th. Are you buying or selling that FSU finishes its out of conference schedule uh, with just one loss? And so I'm not counting the UNC game. Yeah, that's a sell. I, I, we're going to be favored in every game, but you know, SMU or Georgia or somebody's going to, going to, you know, get the win. You're thinking that we just, we're not there yet to be able to win every game we're favored in. It's basically what it is. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that'll be an interesting one to come back to in not too many weeks. Uh, number two here, Jalen Worley is currently on track to have uh, the highest steal rate easily since uh, Trent Forrest back in 2017. Trent Forrest is the last person at FSU to finish with a steal rate for the whole season over 4%. Um, does Jalen Worley keep the pace he's on and exceed Trent Forrest's 2017 uh, steal rate? I'm buying there. Sam Cassell is the all-time season leader with 97 steals and Sam that that record is going to end this year wow we're going to have a new steals leader at Florida State that is something and and I bet there's a lot of listeners that would never have pegged that for Jalen Worley huh. uh maybe maybe two years ago uh okay so number three here quad one wins we're all familiar with those back when we were in the picture for the NCAA tournament a few years back um, to get a quad one win on a neutral court, the, the opponent has to finish in the top 50 of the net, one through 50 on a on neutral court. Will the Colorado win be a quad one win? Fine. It definitely will be a quad one win. I think UNLV may be quad two, but Colorado is going to be one. They're, they're a good team, and I'm, I'm sticking to it until they prove me otherwise. All right. That it would be, you know, we talk a lot about, about, you'd love to be proven wrong in the NCAA tournament. You know, the dirty little secret is that sometimes it's not about whether you're an NCAA tournament quality team. It's about, did you have an NCAA tournament quality resume? Leonard Hamilton had several NCAA tournament quality teams back in uh, the two, the Al Thornton days that did not have an NCAA tournament quality resume, or at least was deemed that way. I, I would argue the Tony Douglas broken hand here. Um, and some teams maybe aren't that good, but they just were able to put together a decent resume. That win against Colorado right there is one that if we are on the bubble come selection Sunday, I have a feeling will uh will be a difference maker. Mm -hmm. Uh number four, FSU was they started the year projected to go eight and twelve in the ACC on Ken Palm, but after all of the ACC teams have played about four or five games now, we are now projected to be ten and ten in the ACC. Buy or sell that FSU goes over 10 games 10 wins can i hedge it and say that jalen ganey is back and we stay relatively healthy and that, if that's the case yeah we're gonna win we're, we'll win 11 so I, I will i will buy it with uh, a few little caveats there buy it with a with a clause yeah all right, right. we'll take it <laughs> cop out yeah. yeah all right and lastly here jameer watkins the sensational VCU Bye. transfer. <laughs> yes. NBA scouts need to be buying all they can in Jameer Watkins. Uh, you want a guy who could be a big, versatile guard for you? Jameer Watkins. Uh, Jameer Watkins is leading FSU in points, rebounds, 
and assists. All three of the, the major categories. He is leading FSU in points, rebounds, and assists. Buyer sell that he finishes the season leading FSU in points, rebounds, and assists. Rebounds and assists, I think, are a lock. Points, I'm I'm hedging towards Darren Green. So I'm gonna sell on that one. But there's an there's a, there's also the chance that maybe if if Worley doesn't get credited for some of those steals maybe 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 Watkins does but I I mean I just hate to not say bye with anything attached to Jameer Watkins because it is just wild to me that a role player like the fourth guy on VCU comes to Florida State and is easily the best player on the on, on the team so I don't know what was happening at VCU last year or if it's more just like what's happening at FSU but that that whole thing is just totally wild to me he is very good. Yeah. Uh, I maybe maybe might have an asterisk here because I think when I was asking the question, I was thinking about it in terms of total points, total rebounds, total assists. You mentioned Ganey coming back. Hamilton continues to allude to the fact that sometime probably in December, maybe before the first half of December is up, that Ganey will come back. I think he did have a little bit of a setback there when he started some non-contact drills, but he seems to be like back over that setback. Um, if like, I could see Ganey's rebounds per game, which, which is not my favorite stat in the world, if we're being honest, but I could see his rebounds per game being better because if he only plays like 20 games and has a few games where he's got 10 or 11 rebounds, then maybe that pushes him over. Um, but if we're talking about like rebound rates or something like that, I don't know. I I'm with you. I think that, I mean, Jameer is just everywhere. Yeah. And the way they teach it, you know, they're, they're, they teach the bigs to just occupy a body and to allow the other, you know, the wings to come in and clean up rebounds. So Ganey will certainly challenge him for the rebound lead, but he might also make Watkins a better rebounder because Ganey is just, you know, fundamentally sound in that part of the game. I mean, that's just scary. If, if Watkins is going to be a better rebounder, you're, you're right. They, we, we want, we want people like Jameer Watkins or like Jalen Worley getting the rebounds so that they can initiate or even like a Baba, like initiate the point, you know, uh, initiate the break. But that is even a scarier thought um, for at least for opponents. Um, all right. That was a fun that was a fun game. Uh, we'll have to come. Back. I'm really interested to come back to the out of conference one uh, mm-hmm. here in a couple of weeks. I, I hear what you're saying. It's like, hey, we're not just because you're favored doesn't mean you win. But at the same time. There's not a in a vacuum. There's not a game that I look at and say, "That's that's the loss." I don't know if I could pick out the loss. And there's certainly not a quad one game remaining. Well, they're all so, home. Yeah, so we so we need we really team. need if we're got if we're thinking about an NCA resume, we really need to sweep the rest of out of conference. Is is the other yeah. way to look at it? Yeah, because yeah, to be a quad one at home has to be top thirty mm-hmm. and. There's no way any of those teams are yeah. going to be top 30. I I could see maybe like SMU being a quad two win if they just mm-hmm. accumulate enough. You know, the net is skewed to teams that win a lot of games. And if they win enough games in the, what are they, in the AAC, I think. Um, I don't know. I can see that. But yeah, mm-hmm. some of these, like Winthrop and Lipscomb aren't going to be anywhere near that. Uh, okay, so why don't we, speaking of the upcoming out-of-conference schedule, so we take a week off, 
good. Boys get to enjoy some Thanksgiving uh, with Coach Ham. Uh, then we play UGA. UGA is at home, I believe. Uh, let's see. It's is it next Tuesday? Wednesday. Next Wednesday. That's and it's nine twenty ish tip. So I don't know. Get look at for you. You finally get out on the West Coast a game that starts after uh, six mm-hmm. o'clock. Mike White is the head coach of of Georgia. You're probably pretty familiar, folks, with Mike Mike White from when he was at not just UF but actually at La Tech uh, when when we played Louisiana Tech a few times there in in IT games. And Hamilton's record against Mike White is pretty good over the years. Uh, Georgia has started the season not not bad. Not they're fine, I guess. They they beat Wake Forest, which is not terrible, and they've lost to three teams that are arguably all better than us Oregon Miami mm-hmm. and Providence so really hard schedule um they've beat a couple teams that are ranked below us what's your take on Georgia coming in I think at minimum it's going to be a fun game you know Mike White the one of the problems that he had at Florida he had a lot of problems but one of the problems was that he totally reinvented himself and went away from what he was doing at, at, at La Tech and now he's gone back to sort of an up and down, like a team with tempo, a team with pace, a team that shoots a lot of threes. You know, he's not trying to play through some big meathead in the middle. And so I think it's, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be up and down. They shoot a lot of threes. I, they also have a lot of problems, which seem to follow Mike White around. You know, it's just part of it is he's kind of new to Georgia part, you know, so they've got new players that aren't familiar playing with each other. They got transfers, you know, they got all the, you know, the list, the litany of problems that modern teams have, they have them. And so this is a game that Florida state absolutely should win. But at the same time, you know, we're probably gonna be favored by like four, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be a big line. And so if we, if we lose it, it won't become as a complete surprise, but if we're going to get, to where we want to go, we need to be able to handle like lower end SEC teams in our own building. Yeah, they last year they were better than us. I think last year was Mike White's first year uh, mm-hmm. up in Athens, and they went sixteen and sixteen, and that was that was off of they had had Tom Crean there, which was just a disaster, and and somehow Georgia won fewer games two two years ago. They won six. Somehow they were worse than mm-hmm. our than our team last year. Last year they took a big step forward, but they really lost a lot of those players. Um, and and to your point, this year I'm just not sure. I don't know who the like real go to guy is. They they don't really have anyone. They take a lot of threes. They don't really make a ton of threes. Yep. Uh, I know we've seen teams come into the gorgeous sight lines of the Tucker Center in the past and somebody gets hot and goes, you know, four for nine, but they don't really make a lot of threes. And there's no one that even stands out as like, there's not even anyone over 25% uh, usage rate for them. So I'm not sure what their like identity is, you know? Yeah. I think that teams that beat, beat up on Hamilton teams are generally teams that shoot the ball really well. And Georgia is not like I, I watched some of that Miami game and it's just like, they're not, they, they're not shooters. They're, they're drivers, they're slashers, they're, they're junk ball getters. You know, they, I did not see a bunch of sweet jump shots going up and maybe that was just, you know, sample size, but you know, five games in they're, they're bad. They're a bad shooting team. So another reason that, that Florida state should, should be able to pull this thing out. Yeah. I'd be a little concerned 
Well, I guess this is probably something that I might say on every single podcast we do. We are sending a lot of team <laughs> players to the free throw line. Yeah. Um, and and I get it. We have to play a style that we like we said, we're we're disruptive. And being disruptive means you're gonna be physical. And being physical means sometimes you're gonna get refs that think that anything, any contact's a foul. I don't want us to see Georgia with over 20 to 25 free throws because I feel like then then we're not making them actually earn their points. Like they I, they don't strike me as a team that for the full length of 40 minutes is going to be able to just execute offense and get their points. But if we bail them out and send them to the free throw line, that sort of negates that. Um, is is there like, is there, a, would you just, I mean, is that just something that Florida State's going to have to just deal with? You you just, like, we got to be disruptive. And so we just got to play our game. And if there's fouls, there's fouls. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a lot of fouls, but there are some pretty clear areas where we can clean that up. I think the guys just had no confidence because the defense was so terrible last year that they try to do too much. So, you know, we'll have a ball handler down in the post. Like, he'll get an offensive rebound. We'll have three guys around him. And instead of walling up, they'll start swiping at the ball. You know, just do stupid shit like that. And, you know, you see Baba, you know, he'll wall up on a you know on a 6-1 guard. And instead of just walling up, he'll bring his arm down and commit stupid fouls. And so I think if we can clean some of that stuff up, that those those always lead to free throws because they're, you know, in the act of shooting. I think we could we could cut that rate down. And right now we're I'm I'm not looking at it live, but I'm guessing somewhere around like 350th or you know, almost at the worst team. We are 329. 329. Hey, we're getting better. So if we can get that to like 200, then I would feel much better about our defense. Whether or not they're going to do that, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. At this point, 200. See, if we could get it to 250th, I'd say uh, maybe that's a win. The, the one good thing that I'll say makes me feel like, um, you know, I, I maybe, again, I understand what you're saying, that we, we're not going to just run the table necessarily and the rest of our out-of-conference. But the one thing that maybe makes me feel like Georgia won't be the team to pick us off is uh they're they're only 296th in offensive rebounding and mm-hmm. and one of the things that UF was able to do is just dominate. I mean, actually, forget UF. One of the things that every team we've played so far was able to do is dominate the offensive glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I imagine that UGA will be above their average for the year on offensive rebounding rate, but I don't know that they're gonna be like up in that 40 to 50 percent uh ratio that that some of the teams we've played uh will be. Yeah, I wonder if we should be more worried about like Winthrop or Lipscomb or, you know, one of those schools that's just going to come in and light us up. Yeah, every open shot they see, they're going to knock down. Yeah, I I think that might be might be more where my head's at. I haven't looked at the uh, three point shooting of all these teams, but Mm -hmm. just to just to click on Lipscomb here, um, they're 22nd in effective field goal percentage. They uh, are 34th in three point percentage which is uh 39% on the year and Lipscomb has has one guy AJ McGinnis who through uh five games is shooting 18 for 31 you can do the math uh that's pretty good from 3 Seems so yeah. maybe actually to your point it is more of something like that where we just cannot generate enough turnovers to counteract someone going 7 for 10 mm-hmm. uh from 3 so uh that was good so am i hearing you say Michael that if if 
it's a week away. I know that you're probably going to put out a nice article, the probably five things on UGA, which I've really been enjoying that series. Um, so maybe you, you have time to rethink this, but am I hearing that as of now, you'd be leaning towards an FSU win over UGA? I think so. And, uh, and you, you, you're kind enough to bring up the five things articles. I, I should mention to the listeners, we don't, we're on video, but we don't, we don't put this thing up on YouTube or anything. We're not, we're not creating content. We're just a couple of, yeah, who's talking about basketball, but in the back of Matt's little manland or the Matt cave, he's got Deion Sanders Jersey frame that I'm staring at the whole time that we're doing this, this, uh, this podcast. And I, I think that, uh, we, 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 we've had some interactions with Dion and, and, and Florida state lately, but Matt is, Matt is hanging, hanging proud on the wall. It looks like it might be autographed. It, it is, it is, yeah. it was bought, uh, it was, it's, it's an old school. It was bought some years ago. Um, I mean, the, the one on the other side of it is a autographed Aaron Rodgers green Bay Jersey. So you can see that my loyalties don't, uh, exactly <laughs> die easy. I will say that I, I actually have no qualms, zero qualms. If you're interested in Dion doing what he did to get Travis Hunter, I listen, the name of the game is recruit talent. Mm -hmm. And, and these players, the amount of money that Dion and Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders first brought to Jackson state and now to Colorado is asinine. Like the amount of money that they have brought to Boulder this year is well beyond whatever Travis Hunter was paid. And I have no qualms with that. I, I will say though, that as a Packer and Florida state fan, I've definitely been in the market for some sort of like dual Jersey, Leroy Butler, um, that um, if I could ever get that autographed, I think that might be enough to move the Dion uh, jersey to another section of the house. All right, if we got anybody out there among our listeners that can that can that knows knows Leroy Butler's family, yeah, yeah, Le the hunt. Le Leroy, that's that's what I'm looking for. Um, so yeah, may maybe I need to get just a whole like Devin Vassell, Scotty Barnes, yeah. uh, maybe some of that action going on. Um, all right, so. Speaking of, so if anyone's in the giving spirit and wants to give give me some information on a Leroy Butler uh, <laughs> autograph stuff there, that would be great. We're going to close out this uh, this podcast with the day before Thanksgiving here with a little bit of Thanksgiving spirit on our of our own. So, Michael, what we're going to do is like all good Samaritans, we are going to uh, we're going to express what we're thankful for. Uh, with with this year's FSU basketball team, I'll give you two different. You can say two different things you're thankful for, and we're also going to be able to give some gifts. And you know, it's 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 everybody's uh, duty to be giving back to the community uh, that they're in. And so, I, I want you to say two things you're thankful for, but two things that if you could give uh, to either the coaches, the players, I don't know, the fans, whatever, if you could give something to FSU basketball to have for the rest of the year, rest of the season, what they, what might those be? Let's start with the, uh, the thanks first. What are you thankful for this year, Michael? I am thankful for, for all kinds of stuff. But one, one of the things that comes to mind is that the guys who, you know, won nine games last year, the ones that stuck around, like those are guys that are committed to the culture, which I am, I am happy to, to see and the guys that left, I have nothing against them. I think they're in better, better spots than, than Florida state. Florida state is not for everyone, but I'm, I'm happy that all those dudes stuck around. And then, you know, the, the other thing that I will say is that I am thankful that 
when you turn on the television, it looks like a Florida State team. And I can't even begin to tell you how much back and forth we've had in the Slack room and on text about the last couple of teams, just how stale and unwatchable it all was. And I am so happy that I am enjoying games so far this year. Yeah. Uh, echo everything you said on that second part of it. I, 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 I'll, it'll be one of mine too, but the, the one of them was similar to you that I, it is so, I'm so thankful that the team is smiling. Coach Hamilton in press conferences after games looks like he is not just like a beaten down man that is at the end of his wits end of how to even coach the team. Uh, the, the looks on those guys' faces when they were holding up. I mean, this is the sunshine, sunshine slam. This isn't Maui. This isn't even, uh, you know, preseason NIT coaches versus cancer classic or anything like that. This is the sunshine, sunshine slam. And they looked like they were holding up the ACC tournament championship mm-hmm. trophy. I mean, the looks on those faces, I'm so thankful that that, that joy is back uh, around the program. Uh, the other thing, this is this will be a simple one. I'm really thankful that Jameer Watkins transferred here. (laughs) I don't know what the issue was at VCU. I don't care what the issue was at VCU. Uh, I had a chance to interview him last week. He seems like a humble, thoughtful young man. You ask him, I asked him what, you know, what does he, what what does he bring to the table? What does he, what's, what's, what makes Jameer Watkins like a value add on the court? And he says, Oh, well, I I just, I just want to be out there rebounding and doing things that makes the team better. You know, like, I'm so thankful that Jameer Watkins transferred here and that there was a spot made available by people who left to be able to have him uh, transfer transfer here. So yeah, uh, he yeah. he would have he would have started on the 2020 team, which is about as big a praise as you could give somebody at the at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Jameer, uh, or anybody associated with Jameer. If you hear this, we are appreciative to have you in Tallahassee. So Michael, what would you give? What are a couple of items that? that uh, Papa Rogner here is going to bring to the Thanksgiving feast and give to Florida state. We went, I think 36 minutes in the Florida game before Baba got a post touch and it's driving me bananas. Just the, the, the lack of any intent to get him the ball in the post when he has an advantage over everybody that we play. So I am, I don't know who, who I'm given or what I'm given, but get the goddamn ball to Baba in the post and let's, Let's let, let's see what happens, um, and then the other thing I, I'm given is the the fans, the 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 listener of the listeners of this podcast. I'm always amazed just that so many people download this thing. So I I am thankful for that, and and I'm hoping that we're able to to give you guys some uh, good conversations and some winning basketball games, and that requires the team to actually win some games this year. So. Again, not sure what I'm giving them, but they something to, to allow them to 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 continue this joy, um, you know, through the next few months. You're giving them 45 minutes of some of the best uh, wit and analysis, you know, com- combination of of witty analysis that I can think of. Uh, so, and I and I appreciate you. I'm thankful for having you as a partner on this podcast, uh, good sir. Um, I will I will give. Jalen Ganey, a full bill of health. I it has been a long road for him. You know, he he was in the Ivy League. They didn't even get to play one year. Like Ivy League just canceled with COVID, you know. And and then he transfers here last year. And I had bumped into Coach Hamilton in the airport before he got hurt. And uh, I mean, you just 
his eyes lit up when you mentioned Jalen Ganey. And, and he's a guy that's come into campus and immediately joined some of the leadership council type of stuff. You know, the same kinds of things that Malik Osborne was a part of. Uh, and all, and he gets hurt and he's had, he's had a, a tough rehab. He's had a tough road. All the guy wants to do is get out there on the court. And, and I think he's a real difference maker. I, I mean, you still see the coaches very excited about the possibilities of what he can bring both as a, as a guy who can execute that one through five switching that we apparently are intent on doing. Mm. And also uh, with the rim protection that right now is sorely needed. Um, so I, I don't know if I have the power in this to do this or not, but just to speak it into existence, just to put it out in the universe, I am, I am given all my positive vibes and positive energy to get Jalen Ganey healthy and back out there on the court. Um, and I'd also like to give Jalen Worley, the other Jalen, um, you know, I was, when I watched high school tape of, I broke down a couple of his games when he recruited and he was, you know, he played up in the Northeast and, and UVA wanted him and, and some other teams. And he was a confident playmaking distributor who was able to lock guys down defensively. And, you know, he was never going to be Russell Westbrook athletically. And I think Jalen Worley knows that he's never going to be like a Derrick Rose kind of guard. But he had some of those like Devin Booker moments of playmaking, and that's Booker without the T, not the Florida State player, but the Kentucky guard. Um, and I think he just was victim to just the the poor culture that was the team last year. And you can't blame a kid being far from home for that. But that's the most confident. The second half of the Colorado game is the most confident I've seen Jalen Worley since high school. And I'm going to give him the empowerment, the ability to say that is your game right there, young man. That is how you need to be playing basketball and the swagger and the confidence that you need to step on the court with. And we that's within you. We saw Anthony Polite blossom before our eyes, ironically, with a game against Colorado that really set him off and turned him into what he became his senior year before he got hurt. And I'd really hope that, you know, Jalen Worley can take that Colorado game as a springboard for what becomes a pretty a pretty uh, impactful soft, uh, junior and, and senior year. Yeah, that dude is we he deserves a little more discussion on this pod. So maybe maybe next couple we can work him in a little bit more. But that dude is sunk down in a stance. He is defending his ass off. And if 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 you if you think that's easy, like get into that stance and and move around for thirty minutes. You know you you won't be able to walk the next day. So that that just the effort that he is putting into the into the uh, you know, the game, whatever we get out of him from a point scoring thing is, is pretty much just bonus at this. Like he needs to be on the floor because he is, he is working his ass off and di being disruptive. I know Jameer Watkins is our best player. Like, it's hard to argue against the guy who's leading us in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. Uh, <laughs> best player. Um, Jalen Worley just might be our most important defender. And, and, like, cause if honestly, if Jalen Worley went down, I'm not exactly sure how, I mean, Chandler Jackson's coming along. I wish he would have had a full off season. I, he might be our most, like the way he's able to apply ball pressure, 94 feet. I mean, two or three times this year has got a, a steal stolen an inbounds after making a bucket, mm -hmm. after making a bucket, steals an inbounds, gets right back, gets another point. So um, yeah, he's, he is making an he is making winning plays for FSU basketball. And, and I know that some people get frustrated that he 
is not a great free throw shooter. I mean, he's better, but it, you know, he's not a 90, 80% free throw shooter. He's not necessarily a, a, a weapon, I would say, from outside. That's not what we're asking him to be. Mm-hmm. So be thankful for what he is doing and that he's getting better and improving and is honestly one of the more impactful players on the team. Yep. Yep. That's well said. All right. Well, uh, echoing Michael's thoughts, we are thankful to you, the listener for, uh, for always downloading this. Um, I hope everybody enjoys their feast week of basketball food and a little bit of uh, football rivalry uh, to come later in the week. Uh, I we won't get into it, but I'm I'm officially project uh, predicting FSU to win that game against uh, UF down in Hogtown. So I think that'll be a special special game for a lot of folks too. Uh, as always, thank you, sir, for your for your time, and look forward to it next time. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs>